Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be ushered into this beautiful, beautiful, epic story that you are writing in your world. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. And thank you most of all for Jesus, your son, who leads the way and makes it possible. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. We're studying baptism today. Jesus is baptism and ours, and so I could not help but tell you about this one gentleman who had a little bit too much to drink on a Saturday night, and so he, the next morning, was stumbling home, and he passed by a river where a preacher was doing baptisms, and so he sways himself into the water alongside the preacher who, of course, does what any good preacher would do. Sir, do you know Jesus? You want to find Jesus? The man says, I really do want to find Jesus. So the preacher grabs him and dunks him in the water, holds him down for a few seconds, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. He's thrashing about. He's, he's kicking. He's, 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 he's waving his arms. The preacher yanks him up out of the water. The man's sort of still swaying. I'm not sure if it was from the water or the night before, but wipes his water off his face, coughs it up. Preacher said, brother, did you find Jesus? And the man said, no, sir, I did not. Are you sure this is where he fell in? (laughs) This week, our neighbors told us a story about their six-year-old daughter, AJ, who passed by uh, the Baptist church sign. Just seeing the word Baptist, apparently, sort of... uh, it, it, it rang in her mind, oh, Baptist, mommy, that's Baptist. That's where they dunk you in a pool of water and then you come out a better person, right? All the Episcopalians are like, wait, what? They dunk you? Now, that's not a bad definition of baptism, to be honest with you. In, in fact, what if that really was your experience of baptism, What if that's all it took? What if it could be our experience every time we touch those fonts at the the doors of the cathedral with the holy water and we mark ourselves again anew, afresh with the waters of baptism to be reminded, oh yeah, I'm a better person. Deep inside, there's been a change in me because of Jesus. Here's my one point, and all of God's people said, Alleluia, for today, my one point as we consider the baptism of our Lord and ours. Baptism means a new story. That's it. Baptism means you have a brand new story. This is a perfect gospel reading for every single January, according to our secular calendar, because it puts us at the beginning of the year. So right now, you're seven, eight days into trying to have a new story with your diet, right? That you've already failed, let's be honest. You're trying to have a new story, but you've already failed, and you wonder, is there any amount of new habits I can come up with, new things to eat or not eat, new ways of being that will change my life? I'm telling you, none of that will work. In the end, in the way you need it to work, the way that your soul longs for it to work, to make you a different 
person to live a different story. But baptism will. That's because God is present and working through his spirit in baptism. Baptism means a new story. Here's another way of saying it. Main point for today. God is writing the story of redemption for the whole world. And at your baptism, he initiates you into that story. He invites you. You start participating. Baptism has been called the door, the entrance of the church. You become a part of the story at baptism. You're an actor and an agent in the story that God the author is writing. So if this is true, if this is true, then today, on January the 8th, 2023, all of us baptized have a decision to make, an enormous decision. Will we, at the start of this year, whether we end up living this year at home, at work, at school, whatever it is that we're doing, will we follow the author's cues to live out this new story? Will we live into the story or try to run off the page? Will we join the new story that God is writing because we have another brand new chance, 2023? Will we refuse to live the smaller stories that say our lives are defined by our job. Because baptism says, no, your life is defined by God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Will we live the smaller stories that say our joys are defined by uh, what we have, our wealth, our material possessions? Because baptism says, no, actually you come naked into the water. You bring nothing to the table. And God pours out his grace like water on the head of a helpless child. That's what defines you. Or will we live the smaller stories that say our value is defined by our social media responses? Our hopes are defined by who's in the White House. Baptism says, like in this story, son, daughter, I'm well pleased with you. That's the voice of the Heavenly Father. Son, daughter, I'm well pleased with you because of my son Jesus. So we have a huge decision to make. Let's dig into this passage. You'll find it on page two in the New Testament of the Blue Pew Bible. And just a few brief comments on where do we see this theme of baptism as your and my brand new story. Page two. Here are four or five places in this story. And you're going to need to read it on the page because we're going to actually go back a little bit into chapter three, beginning at verse two. Uh, Well, look with me at verse 1, chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Here's one place we see uh, this theme of Jesus' baptism, meaning a new story. It's the word repent. It's a good place to start. January 2023, repent, turn around, Don't keep living the story that you were living in 2022. Live a new story. And we know elsewhere from the scriptures that we can't even repent without God reaching into our hearts and changing them. It's a gift. So maybe today you want to start this new year by saying, God, will you give me the gift of repentance? I want to change. So all the people that were coming out to John, they were coming out because they wanted to repent of their sins, like let the old die. I want to, I want John, whatever you're offering in the new. So they're all getting baptized. 
Here's another place we see this idea of baptism as a new story. In the next verse, verse 3. This is the one, Matthew tells us, of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. You see what he's doing? Matthew's saying, this is actually the end of one story and the beginning of a brand new one. It's the fulfillment of a prophecy. The prophecy is the first story. The fulfillment is the second. Something new is happening. This thing that we've been waiting for, it's like we've just turned the last page of a story and now we've opened the next book in the series. What Isaiah said is being fulfilled by John. It's a new thing that God is doing. Now, verse 7 through 12, and this is where John gets a little sassy here with the uh, religious leaders. Verse 7, but when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, and then he scolds them, verses 7, 8, and following. How does this make us think of a new story? Well, in John's confrontation of the religious leaders, he's saying, look, guys, you can't start a new story and hold on to the old one. It doesn't matter that you're Uh, that you're Abraham's uh, children. You need to be baptized into this new thing that God is doing. That's what matters. Don't try to live a new story while holding on to the old ones. It won't work, John says. Finally, uh, in uh, verse 16, when Jesus is himself baptized, we see the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Looking at 14 and following, John would have prevented Jesus from being baptized, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us and the way to fulfill all righteousness, and then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. You know who gets anointed? Kings get anointed at the beginning of their reigns. In Acts 2, the new church gets anointed at the beginning of their adventure to be God's people in God's world. This is the beginning of Jesus' mission. And after this, he will be challenged and tempted in the desert and he will preach the good news of the kingdom. He will endure suffering and he will rise again. But this is the beginning of Jesus' story. He's anointed by the Spirit. One more, well, let me say one more thing about the text, all right? Just to give you the big picture, because here's the coolest part. We've been in the nitty-gritty details of the verses, but if I were to tell you that Matthew sets up Jesus' story of baptism by placing it in the context of an older story, I wonder if you would remember which one. Listen to how I'm going to describe some clues from Matthew's gospel, the first four or five chapters, and how they set us up to think about Jesus' baptism as a new, brand new thing that God is doing in the world. Here's clue number one. In chapter one, Matthew wants to tell us a story about this one particular family. He gives us a genealogy, right? And this particular family has been ordained by God, and it's as crazy as your family is. Like kings, shepherds, prostitutes, it's messy. Everybody's there. Chapter 2, Matthew says, actually, this is a story about how this special God-ordained family is going to flee, not just from any place, but flee from Egypt, right? From a crazy, evil ruler because they want to obey God's command. 
Here's clue number three. Then Matthew tells us this family is expecting a miracle baby. And that the evil ruler is so afraid that he's going to have all the baby boys killed. Here's clue number four. In chapter three, finally our passage, Matthew tells us that the miracle baby is going to now be grown and he's going to save God's people by passing through some water. Now, right now, right now, if I asked you, do you know this story? Have you heard this story before in the Bible? What would you say? What would you say, friends? Yes. I mean, if you've only seen Cecil B. DeMille's uh, 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 Ten Commandments, you know this story, right? But some of you are thinking, wait a minute, are you talking about Mary and Joseph and Jesus, the special family? Or are you talking about Israel? Exactly. You see what Matthew's doing? He's retelling the story of Israel in chapters one through four of his gospel. And he's ingeniously describing Jesus's beginnings in a way that the first readers would have recognized immediately, probably from when they were young Jewish children and they heard those wonderful tales. But in our passage today, when Jesus enters the story, it begins to change. God is doing something new. He's starting the story over again with a new exodus, a new leader, a new family coming out of Egypt, running from Pharaoh, but not Pharaoh, but the king, right? Herod. Instead of Pharaoh having all the babies killed, now Herod's having all the babies killed. We know from other gospel stories. And unlike Abraham, unlike Moses, unlike David, unlike all of the Israelites in the pages of the First Testament, this Israelite, this man, this special new man from God's ordained family is going to get the story right. Where they failed, he will succeed. Jesus, the faithful one, comes up out of the waters and God says, now... This is what we've been waiting for. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Friends, every time we celebrate a baptism and we renew our, all of our baptismal vows or we touch the water or in any way we claim our baptism again, we are joining ourselves with God's faithful son one more time. Like, oh yeah, I want that story. Uh, you may start your new story today on a Sunday, like, oh, we're at church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start over. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to be cleansed. I'm going to be free. I'm going to lose weight, whatever. And by Wednesday, after you failed, because we're all imperfect, and I'm not just being a cynic, I'm being realistic, but you tell me, if you're, hey, if you're good, I'll, I'll let me know. Give me a call. But after you failed and you want to start again, you know what? Jesus' story will still be there for you. Jesus' baptism stands. And you can grab onto Jesus in new, fresh ways this coming Wednesday, right? And then Thursday, and then Friday, and then next December 31st. Jesus' baptism will still be your ticket to a brand new story. Even our liturgy picks up this theme of baptism as a new story because um, the priest is going to pray in just a moment when we celebrate baptism, a whole uh, uh, epic prayer. You're going to be like, wow, this prayer is really long. I mean, it's pretty, but it, man, it's long. And it starts like this. We thank you, almighty God, for the gift of water. 
Over it, the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation. Now you're going to hear that and you're going to be like, man, are we starting in Genesis again? Like, wow, this is a long... And then we end up with forever and ever. This is how the priest ends the prayer over the water. That those who here are cleansed from sin and born again may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus. Even our liturgy sets the action of baptism in the cosmic story that began in Genesis and ends in Revelation forever when all the baptized with all of their new forever stories will be living in God's, uh, the light of God's countenance. So I close with this illustration. There's a Netflix series called Surviving Death. It's about people who have near-death experiences. And a Newsweek did an article interviewing one of the psychiatrists who studies these people and their experiences. And he says that um, near-death experiences, NDEs, can totally transform a person in a matter of seconds. The odds are that like one in 20 people has had some kind of near-death experience from the statistics. Let me tell you, uh, let me quote for you, if you'll forgive me a little of this, what the psychiatrist says. He's so blown away by how quickly this kind of experience can suddenly radically change a person's life. As a psychiatrist, he writes, this is the most fascinating aspect, the fact of change. Because I make my living trying to help people change their lives. And it's very difficult to do. But then here's this experience that in a few seconds can totally transform someone's attitudes and values and beliefs and behavior. They typically make people more spiritual, if I can use that word. They make people more compassionate, more caring, more altruistic. And they tend to become, he says, more in, less interested in like physical things, in material goods or power or prestige or fame or competition. This is not a Christian interview in Newsweek, by the way. It's just people interviewing a psychiatrist. Then he says more. In fact, what's amazing to me is the experience and what they take from it doesn't change over time. I've talked to people in their 90s who had the experience as teenagers and they say like it's happened yesterday. Sometimes it caused trouble for them because in that job that they were working, pursuing money and whatever, the cutthroat business field, they just realized that this is not important. Their near-death experience makes them change careers. I can't help but think right now, some of us are young and need a new story. And some of us are 90 and need a new story. Some of us are thinking, I don't have much story even left to live. Uh, my day's pretty simple. Breakfast, dinner, maybe a phone call, watch some TV. I feel like I don't, I don't even have a story. Friends, the good news of the gospel for us today in reading and studying the story of Jesus' baptism is there is no person for whom a new story is not possible all over again right now today. Paul talks about Christians near death. Let's just call them actual death. Let's call them spiritual death experiences instead of NDEs. Paul's going to talk about SDEs, spiritual death experiences, right? Here's, here's his passage from Romans about these death experiences that we've all had that will change us forever. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We've all had a spiritual death experience and it has forever changed us, everything about us. 
We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So as Christians, we've all had near-death experiences, actual death experiences, spiritual death experiences because we've been baptized. And in our baptism, St. Paul tells us we're brand new. Maybe that's a story you need to reclaim right now, starting today for 2023 and the rest of your life. There's no amount of habit change. There's no amount of dieting. There's no amount of self-improvement or time management that's going to give you in your soul the story, the new story that you so long for, except being cleansed, being unified with Jesus, your Lord and Savior. So two things I invite you to today as we end. One, maybe this is a brand new thing for you and you want to follow Jesus. Where do I start? You say, we're so glad you're here. Right now is the season every year that we as a clergy team start to prepare people for baptism. And then they go on throughout the year. But, um, but if you want that, we would love to introduce you to Jesus and help you uh, um, experience this. Two, maybe your baptism happened last week or 50 years ago. I would encourage you to use those little architectural wonders that are attached like appendages, strange appendages at the doors of the church, little, little bowls. I wasn't from this tradition. When I came to the cathedral, I was like, hey, why is there water sitting in concrete by the door? Because every time we come into the church or leave the church, we enter or leave being marked by placing a little bit of water on our forehead or wherever, we are marked once again by the waters of baptism. So make this your goal. Maybe it's a silly thing. Maybe it's a profound thing. But when you come into the cathedral this 2023, every time you do and every time you leave, remember, oh yeah, I have a brand new story. I am utterly defined by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because of Jesus at his baptism. Amen.